0: Welcome to Mission to Inspire, where we share life experiences in our careers, personal lives, society, culture, religion, finance, family, and much more. Meet your host, Shola Adjabadi, as she takes you on a ride to fuel your inspiration.
1: Paul Granger here with us today on Mission to Inspire. And as usual, we're going to start with, can we know you better? So, The first question is about baptism. Mm -hmm. Which would you say is most appropriate: infant baptism or believers' baptism? (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I've had an interesting experience around that. So I grew up uh, going to a Presbyterian church. Yeah. uh, And so was actually infant baptized as an infant, Uh, but then as my wife and I got older, we were part of a church where Many adults were getting baptized. It was believer's baptism. And we were having this conversation around, uh, we don't remember our baptism. Like we don't, that wasn't a choice we made. So what do we do with that? Mm -hmm. And the church that I was a part of uh, was actually multi-denominational. And so when we had a conversation with one of the pastors, he said, well, I'm ordained Presbyterian, so I can't re-baptize you if you wanted to get baptized, Mm -hmm. but I could do a dedication. And there's the other pastor, though, he could Mm -hmm. baptize you again if you wanted it to be a baptism. And and so what I I share that because what I think I love is I have connections with folks that fall on all ends of that spectrum. Uh, But what I've come to learn is what is uh, when you are understanding your commitment to God and your engagement to God, what is authentic to you? Uh, what fits with your life experience and, and how can you press into it that way? So my wife and I went with rededication uh, or dedication, uh, but there's still water involved. Uh, and so right. there you okay. go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So I go to Church of England. So here we Church of England, which is very similar to Anglican, They do child baptism. So my two mm-hmm. children... I baptized them when they were very young.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, My our kids, we went with dedications for them because we wanted to give them the opportunity mm-hmm. to decide how they wanted to approach baptism.
1: Okay, okay. And I did my baptism when I was much older. I think I yeah. was 13, 14. So I can mm-hmm. still vividly remember.
0: <laughs> yeah, Yep. Yeah. Yeah, when I was getting older, I was like, I don't know. I, I, my friends are getting baptized, but I was baptized as an infant. Am I allowed to get baptized again? Or am I, what yeah. is, how does this work? And so <laughs> it's, it's definitely an interesting uh, conversation topic.
1: It is. It is. Thank you so much for answering that honestly as you can. Um, so the next one is about worship. So which one would you choose or go for? Traditional hymn? or contemporary praise songs
0: yeah if i if i had to choose one yeah i think i would lean towards traditional hymn because mm-hmm. uh, i know that there are so many of those hymns there's a depth that exists in them why they were written how they were written the theology mm-hmm. behind them there yeah. are plenty of great contemporary songs but some of them are um very simple themes Mm -hmm. which can be good in certain moments but man some of those hymns like it is well with my soul the story behind that and Mm -hmm. the depth that's in it i mean you could just sit with that for a while with the lyrics and really come to know god deeply
1: yes yes that's true that's true I i i like um i like traditional hymns but what actually gets my soul really moved is the contemporary songs, um, mm-hmm. because they, it's just like a free will kind of song. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And But I, I, I like them both as well. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. Um, Bible translation, King James Version or the new international version?
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've had more experience in my life with the NIV, uh, very few moments with the KJV. Uh, But also, you know, the ESV is slipped in there, the insert other letters. (laughs) One thing I love to do is actually uh, when I'm looking at a a passage Uh to pull up like Bible Hub is a good one. You can actually see different translations and to see the nuances because all of them have great things to them. But when Mm -hmm. you're looking at them together, you can actually get a more robust understanding of what God's saying.
1: That's true. That's true. A lot of people tend to go with the the simplicity of the Bible version, because then it's easier to understand, but that's very true. Thank you. Ha, I know you're a church leader. So this one will resonate with you. <laughs> so would you say um, the hierarchy, hierarchy structure, e.g. bishops or priests or congregational led, model.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the majority of the churches that I've been a part of have been m- lean more congregational led. So the church that I'm with now mm-hmm. uh, there, there is a elder led model yeah. and, but it's congregationally uh, guided as well. So when we make big decisions, uh, the elders will have talked about it, but big decisions will then go to the congregation for a congregational vote. And so one thing I like about that is it, for me, it evokes uh, the feel you get in early acts where there were spiritual leaders that Mm -hmm. would sometimes make decisions, but there was this idea of we are the church and we are navigating this together. You get the Council of Jerusalem where a bunch of them got together and navigated through challenging Mm -hmm. things. And so Mm -hmm. uh, I like the idea of being able to incorporate the voices of the full body, but yes. I also know the importance of there being moments where you need leaders to make the hard decisions.
1: Oh, that's very true. That's very true. Very true. Thank you so much. <laughs> and lastly, is about salvation. So, which one would you go for? Which one is your preference? Um, faith alone, or faith and good works?
0: Hmm. I mean, scripture says faith without works is dead. Uh, But the tricky thing is, is we misunderstand the works bit, right? Like we we can get it into our minds that it's about the things that we do. But you look at scripture so often, the things that people were able to do, they weren't doing by their own power. (laughs) And so when there is authentic faith, that does something within us to let us recognize one, our limitedness, but God's limitlessness. Mm -hmm. and also inspires us to function for something beyond ourselves Uh, so we begin to serve others we begin to love others more because we realize this life is about something bigger than us so uh, faith is the starting point but the works flow from an authentic faith
1: Uh, okay that's very true let it flow wow (laughs) wow
0: You're bringing the hard-hitting questions out the gate.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Let it flow like the fate flow. I've always heard fate without work, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that fate alone, with faith alone, we can't get some things from God. We need faith and the work to be able to get a result sometimes so but we uh, let the fate flow wow (laughs) that's true because if it flows that's just natural it's just inbuilt and then whatever you need to do you'll be able to do Hmm. okay thank you so much Considers himself as an ambassador of Christ above all else, recognizing that his role in representing and spreading the teachings of Jesus suppresses any other occupation. He embraces the call to love God and love others and embodies it through his shepherding gift. Paul offers pastoral support, creates spaces for meaningful conversations and community, and advocates for those who hope to remain. On scene For the past 20 years, he has dedicated himself to serving with various ministries, and he currently works full-time with YWAM and other organizations, demonstrating authentic love for his neighbors. As a content creator, Paul shares his insight through his podcast, Where Did You See God?, Where did you see God's writing and videos? You see, um, his family holds, actually, his family holds a special place in his heart. And they view their home acquired extraordinarily by God's grace as an integral part of their lifestyle of loving their neighbors. So today, we will be discussing unveiling God's purpose, embracing the role of Jesus Christ's ambassador, and shepherd of God. As we all know from what I have just said about Paul, he is a shepherd of God. He loves God. He loves his neighbor. He loves to share the love of Christ with his neighbor and community. So today we will be discussing God's purpose in our life in a very different dimension. So please let us welcome Paul once again onto our show. So Paul can we fully embrace our roles as an ambassador of Christ and shepherd of love? So I know you're all about the love of God and the love for your neighbors. So how can we embrace that?
0: Yeah. Well, I think we got to start by asking why we don't embrace it. If we identify as Christ followers, we would think that That would be something that we would pursue or get excited about but what i found in my life is often being an ambassador of christ is can be an afterthought could be something that i try to fit into the other things that i'm doing and one of the reasons that that happens is because we tend to misidentify ourselves we when you meet somebody new Mm -hmm. the first question is always what do you do like our identity is often based on the job that we have yes which can be great if you got a great job but what if you don't particularly like your job or what if you're not proud of your job or what if you're unemployed Mm -hmm. or let's say you have a great job and suddenly that is your identity that is how you describe yourself how you see yourself and then how you spend your time how you shape your life uh And so how we identify ourselves matters. So what does it mean then if we're told in scripture that we're invited to be ambassadors of Christ? Well, I think we can look at the disciples and see a good example of it. You had Peter, who was a fisherman. He had been a fisherman all his life. His family before him had probably been fishermen. For all we know, it was probably a good job for him. Maybe he was good at it and he saw himself doing it up until he had kids and passed it on to them. Yes. Then Jesus comes and Jesus basically says, hey, how would you like to be unemployed and follow me around? Right. Because Jesus didn't offer them a traditional job. He didn't offer them pay. Mm -mm. There are many times where they didn't have money on hand. No, But what Jesus was offering them was a role that had the best job security that they Mm -hmm. could ever get to be an ambassador of Christ, to represent Christ. And so I think the first thing is we have to decide, do we want that identity? And if we're honest, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're afraid of what that could mean. Because again, Jesus invited Peter into unemployment. So to be an ambassador of Christ meant that he wouldn't have the normal financial security that he's used to, right? We are afraid of not having financial security. Uh, But scripture is filled with examples of God being provider in supernatural ways. Mm. The other problem is we don't want to be an ambassador of Christ because of the reputation piece. We want to look good to others. Well, unemployment doesn't look good. (laughs) And then on top of that, Peter was now going to the spaces where people looked down on Jesus and as a result, looked down on him. We see the most intense example of this when Jesus was being beaten and a girl by a fire says, Didn't you follow him? And he was so ashamed and so afraid that he said, oh, I don't know that guy, right? So sometimes we're afraid to be ambassadors of Christ because we don't want to look lesser than others. We don't want to look unsuccessful, right? And we could keep on going, right? When uh, people came up to Jesus and said, hey, I want to follow you, there are moments where he basically pushed back on it because what he recognized is not that he didn't want them to follow, but they had their limitations. Mm -hmm. They had their contingencies. They had their parameters. Jesus, I will follow you insofar as it doesn't cost me anything or it's not hard or I don't have to change the way I'm living right now. (laughs) But to be an ambassador of Christ is the same as being an ambassador for some country. You're not going there representing yourself. Your role, your identity is you represent the space from which you've come. Yeah. The Leader who has sent you. And that means it's God's words. <laughs> it's Christ's words that should be the things coming from you rather than just your own opinions. And so, how do we become ambassadors of Christ? We have to decide that we want to accept the job offer. And then two, we got to be willing to stay at the table, no matter the cost. Again, Jesus says, "Count the cost." And the funny thing about that scripture is, He gives these examples of other times someone might count the cost. If you're building a house, count the cost of how much wood you need. If you're a king and you're going to war, you count the cost as far as do you have enough troops? And in those instances, you get the implication that if you don't have enough money to get the wood or don't have enough troops to win, then you change course. But then when he talks about following him, he essentially says to his disciples, the cost is too much. It's going to cost you your life. So do you want to follow me? In other words, like Jesus is saying to us, you know what, the cost is going to be too much for you. And yet I'm still extending the invitation. Are you willing to trust me knowing that it's going to be too much for you? You're not going to be enough. You're not going to be smart enough, strong enough, because the end goal isn't for us to be all the things. Mm -mm. It's that Jesus is all, the spirit is all, God is all powerful. And he is inviting us to function from what he is offering. And so, I think the last piece, then once we've decided we're willing to accept the job
1: mm-hmm.
0: two, when we've decided, all right, I'm not going to quit after six months. The third thing is you just keep on going because we want to believe that once we decide to follow God, that everything's going to be good. But we all have experienced that that's not how it works. Life continues to be hard. People continue to trick us or deceive us. We continue to deceive ourselves. We continue to wrestle in doubt and all these things. But at the end of the day, what God's inviting us to is just take the next simple step forward and then the next simple step forward. So often individuals in scripture didn't know where God was leading them, didn't know how long it was going to be, where it was going to be, how it was going to go. And they had to decide to keep on stepping. Mm -hmm. And so if we want to be ambassadors of Christ, that's what we need to do on the days when it doesn't make sense, when the days when the bank account is low on the days when all that effort we poured into loving someone seems fruitless are we willing to step forward even so because it's not about how fruitful we look or how Mm. comfortable we are it's about am i willing to serve god
1: yeah
0: (laughs) so you step and you step and it's a lifelong journey Hmm. it really is
1: wow i know it's a lifelong journey as you rightly said, we we find it difficult because of prayer pressure, society, culture, environment, and all of that stuff. So, yeah. But God help us. <laughs> God help us, I tell you. But, yeah, I resonate seriously with what you said. And um, I really want to... I really, I really, I really want to work for God, but um, those things you've highlighted are in the way. So yeah, got to go back to God and realign my. <laughs> one, you
0: know, one of the beautiful things is I think the other problem we have is we don't understand calling and so we'll think calling is a very specific job that we have to have, or mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. that we have to accomplish. And you know Hebrews eleven tells the story of so many heroes of the faith that didn't see the the end result, didn't get to the final destination. Yeah. So did they miss their calling? No. They their calling was to love God and love others. That's our calling. Mm. And so what that means is we can live out that calling in whatever space we're in. So. What a lot of people struggle with is they will think they are a lesser Christian because they aren't uh, a pastor or they're not in missions or they're not doing ministry because that's where the real Christians are. If I was a real Christian, I would be doing spiritual work. Now, spiritual work is the work of loving God and loving others wherever we are. So if somebody is a banker, that can be where they are an ambassador of Christ. That can be their calling because their calling isn't to be a banker. It's to love god and love others in whatever space that god invites us to and so i think there's a piece that people can find in that because there really is so much pressure to find the right thing or if we think we found the right thing and it's not working out to hold to it protect it because i've got to protect this ministry
1: protect that right
0: ministry, yeah mm. but but so often in scripture trajectories changed but god didn't change the yeah. individual had to learn to pivot the apostle paul constantly his trajectory was changing and it led to him being killed. But what he knew is that his job wasn't self-preservation. It was to be willing to walk into guaranteed harm because his role was to love God and love others. And Mm -hmm. he couldn't do it if he was gonna try to do it his own way.
1: (laughs) That's very true. That's very true. But you know, um, one pressure is, which I've actually experienced, with the with some churches the new generational churches if you don't if you don't do something in the house of god then you're not working for god
0: Mm.
1: and they kind of put pressure on people Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: to do something in the house of god um so like you rightly said you might just be it might even just be to sing and it might not be to sing in the choir but it might be to sing, but those songs would be, you know, um, Christian-related, uplifting and stuff. But if you're not in the church, working in the church sometimes, um, they just, that's, that's, that's one thing. That's one pressure. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not normally, normally it's not just the congregation, um, Sometimes it's the ministers to put pressure on
0: people. Yeah, yeah, and man, there's there's so often in scripture we see that too. Times where there's healthy pressure and times when there's unhealthy pressure. And I think what we have to do in those moments is continue to press into how we are connecting with God and seeking God. Mm-hmm. Are we actually seeking God in the things we're doing? Am I just singing in the choir because I feel the pressure, um, or am I? am I choosing not to, but I haven't sought God on that. I'm doing it forever. I'm just tired and I don't want to, right? Like we can actually humbly go to God and be honest about why we are or aren't doing something. Mm -hmm. And the good news too, is when there is a spiritual leader that is operating in an unhealthy way, Mm -hmm. God is the ultimate spiritual leader and he can give us guidance on how to navigate that space. It doesn't mean it will necessarily be easy. Mm -hmm. I've been in spaces where the spiritual leadership uh, in some form, was doing something unhealthy, and I I knew God was inviting me to stay, and I had to operate f- within that space, but when I actually trusted God, I found a peace in the midst, even though things were hard, right. and so, you know, scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will follow. Yeah. We can make a lot of choices to do or not do something that aren't about seeking God, mm-hmm. but when we do seek God, mm. we can find wisdom where we couldn't have found it otherwise.
1: That's very true. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. So what does it mean then to be a vessel of God's love and grace in the world?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the funny thing about a vessel is a vessel is carrying something that's not itself, right? A clay jar isn't Mm -hmm. carrying clay, it's carrying water or wine (laughs) or whatever. And I think where we get love wrong sometimes is... Mm -hmm. We think it's something that we are creating in and of ourselves. If we're honest, we know how bad we are at loving or how limited our understanding of love is. We will love something insofar as it doesn't do something unloving to us. We will love something as, as insofar as it's meeting our hopes and needs. But biblical love exists even when that love isn't returned. God loved us before we loved him. God loved us before we understood him. Mm-hmm. Jesus loved to the point of death even though people mocked him. He said, forgive them for they know not what they do. He loved, he washed the feet of the guy he knew would betray him and the feet of the guy he knew would deny him. Mm -hmm. And John 13 is when that happens. And Jesus could have done so much to equip his disciples. And the thing he chose to do was to show the full extent of his love by washing their feet. He was their master. (laughs) He shouldn't be touching anybody's feet. They should be touching his. But he stripped down and he touched their nasty, nasty feet. Yeah. And and he did it because he wanted them to see that they could then go and do likewise. So if we want to be vessels of God's love, one, we got to understand that that is a love beyond us and outside of us. And yet God is choosing to pour it into us. Mm. But he is doing so because he wants us to be a conduit of that love. And the only way we can be a conduit of that love <laughs> is again, Jesus said, uh, count the cost, die to self. Like We have to be willing to love when it's hard or love when it doesn't make sense or love when we don't have the strength. And the only way we do that is by seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness by saying, God, right now, I don't feel capable of loving. Please Mm -hmm. love through me. God, I don't want to love this person who hurt me. Please love through me. And you invite God to love And then you end up being that vessel, that conduit, not because you created it or orchestrated it, but because God's waiting for the opportunity to love through you. And we just have to get out the way sometimes.
1: (laughs) That's true. That's very true. Thank you so much. Wow. You've actually given us so much insight into being God's vessel. I mean, different from the way we will have talked about it and different from the way we will have talked about God's purpose and calling for our lives. So thank you so much for sharing and enlightening us. Thank you. OK, so how can we then cultivate authentic and accessible space for the conversation and community mirroring God's inclusive love?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think in that too, a good starting point is to ask why we aren't always good at cultivating authentic and accessible spaces for others. And usually, it's because uh, we we really value our comfort, and so we're fine creating space for people we're comfortable with. But if we're not comfortable with them, uh, sometimes we just don't feel like we've got the time, or don't feel like we've got the energy, uh, or don't feel like we have the desire. And the truth is, is all those can be legitimate reasons. You know, Mm -hmm. we talked already about how with works, we are trying to operate out of ourselves sometimes, but Mm -hmm. the invitation is for the spirit to work through us. You look in acts and there's a lot of stuff that the disciples were able to do that they weren't doing because it was them, but it was the spirit working through them. Mm -hmm. And so I think if we're humble enough to name our reasons for not creating space for others, then it can actually allow us to invite God to create that space nonetheless. Um, You know, when we talk about authenticity, Mm -hmm. what's important there is we've got a name that we're often not authentic. We are constantly wearing masks. We don't want to look bad to others. We don't want to look weak to others. Some of the most harmful spiritual leaders are those that present themselves as always doing the right thing and always knowing all the answers. Because the reality is, is the Apostle Paul says, you know, I do not understand what I do because the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Like even the Apostle Paul is still humbly acknowledging his weakness, his limitations, his missteps. And when spiritual leaders don't do that, like the Pharisees did, then people can look at that and say, well, they're, they're far above me. They're way too spiritual for me. And I, I am so low. I'm so pitiful. And it could bring them down. But at the very least, feel like they can't connect. So authenticity is when we're humble enough to say, you know what? I'm a sinner saved by God's grace. I'm an imperfect human. Mm-hmm. I do not understand what I do because what I want to do, I don't. What I hate to do, I do. But I'm trying to seek God to the best of my ability. When you come real, yeah, people are drawn to that realness. Mm. But then accessible is the other piece. Accessible is, you know, we can be real and authentic. We could say, hey, you know, anytime you need something, you just let me know. But if we distance ourselves, if we don't create access, if we set ourselves apart, then it doesn't matter how authentic and inviting we are if somebody can't access us. So this can take both internal and external forms. We can put up walls and barriers to keep us from connecting with people that limits that accessibility. But even practically, uh, I live in a community that has high levels of poverty, of addiction, of gun violence. And there are many neighbors who are moving in now that are new to the community that will stay in their house and not connect with neighbors or they'll go to their backyard. But one of the things that I learned from a spiritual father of mine and pastor is the value of the front porch if you want to get to know your neighbors, if you want to love your neighbors, mm-hmm. then you got to get to know them. And to get to know them, you got to be accessible. So why not sit on the front porch? Why Ooh. not be within eyeshot, within waving distance, You know, within close enough proximity that you can learn the other's name? And it doesn't have to be long, deep conversations, but that accessibility communicates a lot. So how are we looking for spaces in our life where we can be more accessible instead of withdrawing and removing ourselves how can we be present but i will name this and it goes back to what i started off saying there are times when we are tired when we are fatigued when we are stressed when we're hurting ourselves and the idea of pouring ourselves out to another can seem unreasonable on a human level absolutely yes Mm -hmm. can be unreasonable Mm -hmm. but let us not underestimate what we talked about about god's love because when our vessel is empty in and of itself, God can fill it in ways that are far beyond us. There have been moments in my life where on a human level, i was I was just I had compassion fatigue, i had I had been pouring myself out to others, I was struggling with things I needed someone to pour into me, and there was an opportunity to love someone that in my humanity i didn't I didn't want to do. <laughs> but I said to God. <laughs> God, I need you to love through me. And he did. So if we want to create authentic, accessible spaces, the first step is honesty about who we are and what we are and aren't doing. And then the second step is knowing who God is and what he's capable of doing. And then saying, are we willing to be an ambassador in that space?
1: Thank you. You're very right. You're very right. Are we willing (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. are we authentic <laughs>
0: uh,
1: or are we wearing a max? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: and here's the good news about the are we willing is sometimes we can be unwilling and yet still step forward you know i think <laughs> of uh jonah there was a level of uh unwillingness where he ran yeah. but then there was a level of unwillingness where god said all right now go to Nineveh." But he's like okay. And he still went now that's not an optimal way of functioning, but I named that to say, sometimes we feel like we can't start following God or being used by God until we're hundred percent willing and excited. No, like you could start today, even if you're begrudgingly doing it, even if you're like, I, uh, I don't want God to help this person because they hurt me. Like, Hey, let's, let's be honest. But uh, if you step even from that space, that becomes even more a testament of God when he does work because then you know it wasn't from you Mm -hmm. then you know it wasn't your love it actually becomes a testament to both you and the other person because you're both aware well that had to be God (laughs) because I wasn't stepping in
1: I wasn't stepping in (laughs) Mm -hmm. that is very true (laughs) thank you so much for that So in what ways then can we advocate for the marginalized and unseen just as Jesus did during his earthly ministry?
0: Yeah. Accessibility is important to this because a lot of times we will look at those who are marginalized from a distance Mm -hmm. and our understanding of those groups might only be based on the news or movies or other forms of entertainment or Mm -hmm. word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And if that's all we are using to determine the identity of a person, mm-hmm. we are we are not loving them. We are actually doing something very different than loving them. And so accessibility invites us into spaces where we actually get into proximity, because this is what Jesus did. Jesus went to spaces that he wasn't supposed to go. You're not supposed to eat with sinners. You're not supposed to go near lepers. You're not supposed to go to near Samaritans, right? Jesus did all of that. Because he knew something that we frequently forget, that everybody was created in the image of God. Jesus saw every single person as someone that his father intentionally created in his image. And if his father created something, then Jesus wanted to honor that. Mm. Jesus wanted to extend love to that. So no matter what somebody did, Jesus knew they were worthy of love and honor and dignity and presence and connection. And so that's what he did. We don't do that because we see someone wrestling with addiction as dangerous or as bad or as fill in the blank, whatever you got from that movie you saw. There are people that won't come into my community because of perceptions they have of inner city communities. Uh, When we talk about race, oftentimes this comes into it as well. People have made determinations about certain groups just based on appearance. And we are constantly not engaging people as made in the image of God. And so that's the first step. We need to own that typically when we're talking about marginalized demographics, Mm -hmm. uh, we are making broad sweeps about their identity. And depending on how we feel about that broad sweep, that -hmm. determines how we interact. Mm -hmm. If we instead see everyone's identity as someone made in the image of God, then suddenly there's a window to be able to come into proximity. Suddenly there's an opportunity to come and actually get to know them, mm-hmm. actually find out uh, who they are and their story. Yes. And this doesn't mean that it's easy. It can, it can be very hard. There are people that are wrestling through some really hard things. And if you are in a mar- marginalized group, that probably means you're also carrying trauma, right? There's, there may be some childhood trauma or some adult trauma. The, the, my neighbors, have had to n- wrestle not just with the ramifications of poverty, but the ramifications of systems that have been set up over decades in the community that limit their ability to thrive. They've had to wrestle with gunshots, murders on their street, right? Uh, there are all these things that if you impact are impacted by just one of those, it can impact your day. If you've got all of that, then it could be understandable why someone may make certain choices that you look at and say, Well, mm-hmm. I would never make that kind of choice. Mm. Well, you probably aren't making that kind of choice because you had uh, a full breakfast and you have a support network and you have money in the bank. And but if you didn't have those things, like <laughs> who, but for the grace of God, <laughs> we might find ourselves in all manner of situations that we never would have chosen. It's kind of like when somebody, Uh, ends up making a really huge uh, mistake in their life, often you will hear hear them say, I, I just never thought I would do something like that. It's because we don't recognize that the external influences in our lives paired with the internal influences can have more impact on the decisions we make than our own will. And so if we understand that for others as well, then we can stop looking at them with judgment. And if even Jesus can look at those who persecuted him and say, forgive them, because they don't actually understand what they're doing and love them as a result, then how much more can we, with the people that we may be actually dismissing on a daily basis?
1: That's true. Thank you so much for that. That's very true. So what then? How can we, or should I say, what steps can we then take to leave out God's calling And purpose Mm -hmm. in our everyday lives, spreading the love and sharing the message of Christ with others.
0: Yeah. Well, like we said before, for everyone listening, your uh, location to be an ambassador of Christ is wherever you are right now. Mm -hmm. Unless you really feel like God's calling you to another space, don't feel like you have to go elsewhere Mm -hmm. to be an ambassador. And so I think that's the first, is to recognize that right now, wherever somebody is, whoever they are, they have an opportunity to live it out today. The next step is to think of simple, small ways that they can practice it. So when we talked about accessibility, is there somebody that you could actually make eye contact with today that you might not usually? If you work in an office and you have your head down and you're just Mm -hmm. typing away, could there be moments where you could actually look up? Is there somebody who uh, you could learn their name? and then say their name. I can't tell you how many times I've done the hard work of learning a name because I cannot retain names, Uh, but I've done the hard work of learning somebody's name. And then I see them a week, a month later, I say, I call them by name and their eyes light up. And sometimes these are people who nobody calls them by name. They have very little. And so to be called by name, to be, it, it helps them to feel seen and known. So like, These are simple things, waving to somebody, doing a small, simple kind thing for like you don't have to start a ministry to do what you and I are talking about. So that's what I would say. Just start simple, do a small, simple thing and then do another and then do another. But in all of that, don't do it out of your own power or your own ideas. Make the starting point seeking God first. Say, God, I want to be able to be an ambassador. God, I want to be a conduit of love. God, I want to live this out. Give me the wisdom and the strength to do whatever it is you're inviting me to do. And then just move forward. And God might give you a neon sign. Usually he won't. But if you've sought God authentically, then you can take peace in whatever you do, no matter how big or small, because God is the same one who could Turn five loaves and two fish into something that feeds thousands.
1: Very true. Right? Yeah. Your mm-hmm. little offering mm-hmm. is
0: only a little offering in your hands. If yeah. your little offering is in God's hands, whoo, mm-hmm. you won't believe the abundantly more he can do.
1: That's very true. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, that's that's very true. Just do the little that you can do, whatever you're doing now, and um. Seek God's face, seek his love. I'm sure he would answer us and meet us at the point of our needs. But you know, you mm-hmm. just said something that even if it's just calling people by their names, you know, even in the Bible, he said he knew us by our names, and that actually mm-hmm. made it so special, so personal. Mm-hmm. So in mm-hmm. our own space as well, if we know people by their names and call them, that alone is yeah, it's sharing the love, you know. Because yeah. it makes them important in our lives when we know their names. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Any inspirational advice for our listeners?
0: Yeah, I, I just want to double down on the reality that, like I said, you know, you listener, whoever you are, whatever <laughs> your situation, um, god sees you and god knows you and he is giving an invitation uh he ephesians 3 20 says to him who's able to do far exceedingly more than we can ask or imagine which means whatever you're asking for for your life right now whatever you're imagining whatever your best case scenario is god's able to do far exceedingly more than that because of the power at work within us and we feel like that's not possible, that we can't serve God, that we can't be used by God until we are spiritual enough or strong enough or wise enough or any of these kind of things enough. But if we're just willing to step towards him, even if it's a tiny, tiny toe nudge, God can work with that. <laughs> you look at scripture at how many times the people that God used had no business being used by God. They didn't even think they should be used by God. Moses is like, get somebody else. I can't talk well. Gideon's like, I'm the least of the least of the least of the least. But God continued to work through the people that didn't believe they had anything to offer because it was never about them having anything to offer. Mm. And then when God offered abundantly more, they had the privilege of being a part of what God was doing. So for anyone listening today, God can show himself in that way. Question is, are you? willing to invite him to do it, to accept his invitation to be an ambassador of Christ, wherever you are and whoever you are. And I really believe that if you do that, it doesn't mean that the clouds are going to part and the angels are going to sing. But even if it's over time, I believe you will look back and recognize that that was a a pivotal point at which something changed and you suddenly found yourself in deeper connection and understanding with God.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Thank you so much. We've really enjoyed the word of God from you. (laughs) We've really enjoyed the insight. We've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. And there's a deeper meaning to, to, to God's purpose now, to be honest, because I usually thought that God's calling is whatever he's called you to do within the Christendom. Mm-hmm. As it is, it's not just that now. It could be anything as simple as you say, mm-hmm. just be happy and smile to your neighbors and make other people happy. That might just be your calling and purpose. And that mm-hmm. would <laughs> change people's lives yeah. for the yeah. better. So, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you so much. So, we will not let you go without blessing us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you can just bless
0: us,
1: (laughs) we've heard the word, we gave the blessing.
0: (laughs) Well, Father God, I do just thank you that you are God and you are good. And I thank you that every single person listening is fearfully and wonderfully made uh, in your image, that you know them by name, you know them more deeply than they know themselves. You also know the plans that you have for them, not just for their lives, but for how you're going to use their lives beyond them. Um, and so I pray right now that they would get, even if it's a small one, a a sense that you are present and that you do love them and that you do know them, that they are seen, um, not so that they can feel good, but so that that awareness of your presence will give them the courage to step closer to you, the courage to trust you a little deeper, uh, the courage to be an ambassador or a conduit, um, because we know that in and of ourselves, we can't do any of this, but. You are able to do far exceedingly more than anything we could ask or imagine because of the power at work within us. So we say here we are and we thank you in advance for how you're going to work through the countless ears that have heard um, just your truths. That's famous holy name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you so much. Thank My you pleasure. for the prayers.
0: Pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much everyone and until next time it's shola and paul on mission to inspire bye for now bye (laughs) thank you for joining us today on mission to inspire
0: subscribe if you have not already done so like comment leave a message let's stay connected let's jointly inspire the world